This morning, uh, we're going to have a panel discussion. Uh, a few months ago, we did some panels, uh, two weeks of panels, and, uh, and we received so much positive feedback on it that I took it real personal. Every time I got an email, I would yell out to Seth, whose office is near mine, Seth, look, another person who likes the panel more than my preaching. Uh, I got over it. I'm fine. Mostly a little therapy and, and uh, address that. So we thought we would uh, do another panel because it's fifth Sunday and on fifth Sundays we like to sometimes do things a little bit different. So our panel topic this morning, as you can see from the slide on uh, the screen, is suffering and difficulty. And we thought that was a timely topic uh, because there are so many things going on uh, that our lives and the rhythms of our lives have changed dramatically in many ways. And uh, we wanted to look at uh, what is it, what does the, Bib- the Bible tell us about enduring difficulty, enduring suffering? And then secondly, if we know people around us who are having a real hard time for whatever reason, uh, what are some ways from a biblical perspective as well as a personal perspective that we can uh, provide help uh, to those who are going uh, through uh, suffering? So we're going to cover those two topics in the two and a half hours we have here uh, this morning. As you can see on the screen, there's a telephone number, 541-630-3029. If you're home uh, watching this online, that's also displayed in the lower left-hand corner of your, of your television screen or your uh, device. Uh, we'd love to interact with you on this topic. As we're, topic. as we're talking, you are welcome to text questions or comments uh, to that telephone number. And those are being received by Kylie Joe in the back. And uh, what she's going to do is send those on uh, to me on the platform. And we'll cover those as we're able. So as we're going through this, if you have questions or if you want to have a comment to share, I'm especially really uh, hoping that as we get down to the area where we're talking about how to help others in suffering, there is probably a lot of wisdom in this room on things that have helped you when you went through difficulty or ways in which you were able to help others. We'd love to hear uh, some of your ideas. So you can text those to 541-630-3029 and uh, we'll get those. So we're going to start with a biblical perspective on suffering. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and then uh, the panel is going to tell me all the ways in which I was wrong. Uh, Todd is going to share a little bit about that as well and we're going to interact with Todd and his ideas and then Pat and Seth are going to uh, conclude the morning. Uh, should be no later than 2.30. Um, and on some of the ways we can uh, help one another. Uh, Here's the thing, let me get started with this. When we think about suffering, and by suffering we mean this, anytime life happens and it's not the way we want it, and it creates in our life stress and difficulty, there's always in our life we're gonna say, well, uh, yeah, sure, I've got this real stressful thing going on, but at least I have both my legs, or at least I uh, don't have cancer, or at least I still have a job, and we tend to minimize the the suffering we're dealing with because it's not as bad as the guy living next door to us. And what we need to automatically think about is this. You know, our suffering is ours. Uh, And what we're going through, we're going through. And certainly there are people around the world going through worse stuff. But it doesn't really do us any good to pretend like what we're going through isn't uh, something uh, worth considering. But here's the thing. When we go to the scripture to talk about suffering, uh, what we're generally looking for, not always, but generally what we're looking for is how do I... Uh, how do I experience relief from my suffering, right? Isn't that what we, when we're going through something bad, generally what we say was, how do I make it, how do I make it stop? What is the uh, trick? Is there a medication I can take? Is there something I can go do? Is there something I can drink? Is there uh, a magic prayer I can pray that will make the difficulty uh, stop? And we should seek uh, relief to the degree we're able to. However, Unfortunately, the Bible generally is not seeking to give us an answer on how to get relief from suffering. The Bible is trying to give us an answer on how do we endure suffering. How do we endure suffering? So let me draw our ideas to our minds to a couple of passages of Scripture that help us understand how to endure suffering. The first one is Romans 8, uh, 20 to 21. And if you have your copy of the Scripture, you can read along with me. Um, Romans 8, 20 to 21 says this, For the creation uh, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Let me read just one section again from 21. The creation of, uh, itself wants to be set free from the bondage to corruption. So one thing we need to, that can help us endure suffering is to understand a little bit of why we suffer. And part of it is the world got broke. 
And it's a result of our sin. The world is broken. And so therefore there is sickness. Therefore there is death. Therefore there is toil. Meaning we, we work on something and it doesn't work right. And things fall apart. So we live in a world that by its very nature, because of uh, humankind has rebelled against God, is broken. And things don't work right. Cars break down, bodies break down, relationships have stress and strain, money runs out, plant a garden, sometimes it goes great, other times it doesn't go great at all. So creation itself is broken, and that's one of the reasons that we suffer. We live in a world that's, that's been broken. Uh, one other reason we suffer, and I, there's a million we could, we could go through, but just I want to touch on these, is uh, God allows us to go suffering through suffering as an opportunity to show us more of what it looks like to live for Him. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter, th- chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 3. Consider Him, that is Christ, who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So Jesus endured suffering because of our sin. And verse 7 says this, It is for discipline we need to endure. God is treating us as his children. So what God does is he takes the brokenness of the world that brings difficulty and suffering into our life, and he uses that difficulty to discipline us. And discipline here, that word is training. Uh, it's, it's learning through training. Uh, the word there is less to do with getting a spanking and more what happens if you go to the gym and you have a personal trainer. There, he trains you on what needs to be done to get the goal, to achieve your fitness goals. Here we have a, a trainer, God, who is training us in what it looks like to be like Christ. And the way he does that is helping us endure through suffering. That's one of the, so why does God let things happen in our life? Why does God let the broken world affect us in in many ways, such significant ways? One of the reasons is to lead us down a road of becoming more like us. And it's actually a significant sign that God loves us. Uh, Just 17 more verses. Romans 5, 3 says this. My goal was to talk long enough that they couldn't, wouldn't have time to tell me where I was wrong. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says this. We rejoice in our sufferings. Well, we're supposed to. We'll just say that, right? We rejoice in our sufferings. Why do we rejoice in our sufferings? We know that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what we see suffering produces in us is endurance and character, which then brings out hope in our lives. The way we want suffering, the process to work is we want hope at the the beginning of the process. We say, God, I'm going through suffering. I just need to give you, need you to give me some hope. And of course he does do that. But actually the way this process is working is through the endurance of suffering, character and endurance are brought out so that we then have the strength to uh, experience that hope uh, that God has given us. So we, we say, well, why am I going through what I'm going through? One is the world is broken. And secondly, uh, the world, uh, God uses the brokenness of this world to teach us uh, to be more uh, like Christ. One last verse, and, this, and then I'm going to give you guys a chance to interact with this. And you say, well, what, what's left to say, right? How do we endure suffering? Ephesians chapter 6, this is a passage you're well familiar with. Ephesians 6 says this, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. And the Apostle Paul says over in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, When I am weak, the Lord is strong. So one of the things we can do to endure through suffering is finally give up this need to be the superhero. We no longer, we can give up this need to be the best sufferer who ever lived. Because when we're weak, God is strong. The way we endure through suffering is not being the all-star sufferer. Uh, in, in, in the United States, and we probably get it from our British background, we tend to suffer as stoics. Stiff upper lip. Don't, don't let anybody know anything bad is going on. But actually, the Bible teaches us so, something different. In our weakness, Christ is made strong in us. I don't have to be the superhero sufferer, neither do you. You can be weak. You can be frail. And you can, in that frailty, just seek the Lord and have His strength uh, worked out in you. How else do we suffer? Through prayer. Look at Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. 
Keep alert with perseverance in your prayer, making supplication and prayers that is for all the saints. What does that mean? Okay, we're going to endure. Pray for me that words will be given to me. Pray that I will endure in my chains, he, sa he says, that I might declare boldly the gospel of Christ. Unfortunately, prayer in suffering has become a trite. We think that saying, I'll pray for you, is uh, just a, a nice way of getting you to stop telling me how bad your life is. But the Bible says one of the primary ways we endure through suffering is seeking God in prayer. If you want to know what prayer, suffering prayers look like, read the Psalms. These are real, true, transparent, God, where the heck are you kind of prayers. And these are the prayers we can seek uh, for ourselves and one another. We endure through suffering by seeking God's help. Prayerful endurance uh, through suffering. Okay. What do you guys think? Did I say anything that was wrong? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> you can stay on the stage. Thank you. <laughs> I'll speak away from it. One of the things that I think I've heard from you this morning, and one that probably all of us are aware of, but we don't take it personally, is that suffering is not if, it's when. And the hardest thing for any of us um, to really grapple with is we really do live in a fallen world, and there really is bad stuff that happens, and it happens to me. And um, being able to grab hold of the goodness of God before that happens seems to me to be one of the um, greatest assets we can do for ourselves is to become convinced that our God is bigger than the brokenness, uh, better than my comfort and trust in him before it happens knowing it's going to. That's good. I mean, one of the things I've, I've found is the, one of the most difficult times to learn what the Bible teaches about suffering is when things have gotten really bad. Uh, and what we, I think, is a good habit to do is develop our understanding of what it means to suffer before we get into the weeds. Uh, because when you're standing at somebody's hospital bed, that probably isn't the time to be telling them, oh, well, God's teaching you something here, uh, unless you have a relationship that allows that kind of conversation. Uh, the time to have that settled in my heart, God will use my suffering, uh, is, is before I get into the weeds of it. Now, uh, we, can be, we can learn more about it, but that's... I think you're right on. We, we know suffering is going to come. And that's very counter to what many uh, Christian uh, teachings I've heard, especially on uh, broadcast media, is, you know, if you pursue the Lord, suffering goes away. Um, and the biblical teaching is really the opposite. Uh, to follow Christ is to carry a cross. And to follow Christ is to voluntarily say, I want to go down the road of difficulty. Good. Any other thoughts on this? And again, don't forget, we've got the text there if you have uh, things you want to text us and share with us. Yeah, and it's, um, I love what you talk about the stoicness that we tend to approach it with, because I know that's the way I've always done it. Oh, there's children in Africa who are starving to death. Mine's not that bad. And, and you just start stuffing these things and not being honest with the Lord. It's when you mentioned the Psalms, there are so many Psalms that you read it and go, David, is it really actually that bad? Like, it couldn't have actually been that bad. Nobody could actually survive that. And he, he overstates and he emphasizes, but he's real and he's raw with the Lord about his emotions and where he's at. Um, the professor of mine uh, once said, emotions are like friends. If you're not hospitable to them, they're going to come around less often. You, you have to keep being honest with the reality of where you're at and talking to God. And yeah, you may feel like a sissy. You may feel like, well, this isn't that bad, but continuing that two-way conversation of, Lord, honestly, this is how I feel, even if it feels like exaggerating, even if it feels like complaining. Um, it's, it's keeping that line of communication open and honest, and the Lord is willing to hear your ridiculousness. Uh, just like a, a child comes to a father and complains about a thing that as an adult you think, this is stupid, why are you crying, this is ridiculous, the cup is the wrong color, it's, it's still a cup, it holds the water, just drink it. And um, it doesn't matter to God. It, he cares about those things he wants to hear from you and, and build that relationship so that when suffering comes, that line of communication is, is clear and easy. One person commented about how they've seen suffering impact um, their, their walk with the Lord. It's this, suffering helps me know, know how much I need God. Uh, when I rely on my own strength, it runs out. And, and that, I think that's been true for many of us. I might suggest this. We we're cruising along in our Christian life, and if we think back about those times in our life where we saw a significant growth in our life, oftentimes it's connected with times of significant suffering, isn't it? And then those times where everything is going great, 
those are those times when it seems like our walk with the Lord starts to get away with us. And difficulty sometimes really provides that opportunity for us to lean into the Lord and say, boy, I thought I could make it on my own, Lord. And thank you for reminding me in the midst of this difficulty, I'm not going to make it without you. So thanks for sharing that with us. Um, All right, Todd, why don't you take over? Todd's going to share with us a little more his perspective from a biblical perspective. uh, Why? uh, Why do we suffer? And and am I right on that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Um, We'll see. No, uh, I think uh, just kind of coming around to what we were just talking about, though, is is why is it that when kids grow up, like uh, especially growing up, like after a while, if you didn't see a cousin or something for a while, I know in this church, cousins are like, you're around them all the time. Um, but for, for like growing up, um, or just a distant relative, you see a kid grow up and you're like, oh my gosh, you've gotten so big. Um, why, why is aging, um, such a surprise to us and, and things like that? It's like, why, well, everyone ages. It shouldn't be a surprise. You'd be like, yeah, you get bigger, you get older, you get wrinkly at the end and maybe bald or gray hair like that. Those are all things that we should expect. Yet even if we haven't seen someone in a while, we get surprised at the age, uh, like growing and aging. And I think it's, partially is one of the reasons is, is we should um it actually is just a reminder that that we aren't home we aren't home yet like it, we are made for eternity we aren't home yet and it's and suffering in part at least is a reminder that this is not our home um and so just kind of keeping that perspective and that perspective that we have is is also shifted i mean especially in america i think we think that we don't we're not exposed to suffering as much as the uh, other parts of the world like the starving children in africa i mean we can go on and on about the 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 mala- the, the um suffering that goes on on a daily basis in the world and and we are almost insulated um to this even at harris beach um uh rod uh, um ragsdale said a great thing is more people have died from uh malaria but not everyone's going crazy about it because it hasn't affected us. I mean, really. And so changing our perspective on suffering is one of the things that I think we should do to help us suffer better. Um, one of the things, if, if you ever read Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 has the Solomon's, one of his probably famous uh, poems. It says, for, every, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plan and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. Um, and he goes on, and it's a, it's a wonderful poem of, of, opposites, of, of opposites, just showing that life, in life, there's different seasons. And so um, understanding that in suffering, it's okay to suffer. It is okay for us to not be okay. It's okay for us to... so. If, if in the midst of suffering, if we can change our perspective of I have to be stoic to a perspective of, no, I need to not be okay right now. As a, as a Christian, it's okay to cry. It's okay to show emotions. And this is coming from a guy who cries at like, um, like the end of Aladdin when Jeannie gets set free. You're like, oh, it's beautiful. So, um, uh, but so it's, it's okay to not be okay and to allow ourselves to show emotions, and not just with ourselves or with our community, but also to God. I mean, if you read the Psalms, uh, half the Psalms are, where are you, God? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you listening to me? And what's going on? Um, and so God can handle your anger. God can handle your doubt. God can handle your questioning. Um, it's okay. Pray it out. Um, pray out your emotions and be real with God. Um, at least in prayer, if not with um, brothers and sisters in Christ that you have a relationship with. And just changing that perspective is huge. Um, I think, and it also reminds me of just um, how we can, because we're insulated from from suffering mostly, is we, we can change the way we make choices in our lives in the midst of suffering too, because if you think about it on a daily basis, most of the time we're like, it's like, where do we eat? Red Robin or Buffalo Wild Wings? Those are my two favorite. But like, and so it's like, that's, that's what we have to choose. We're not choosing between, um, uh, uh, necessarily not suffering and suffering, but our minds tend to go, what's going to give me the most comfort? What's going to 
avoid as much suffering as possible. And so there's a, if you look in the, uh, the end of Acts, this is my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, um, if you just watch it, is the, the trials of, of Paul. And Paul goes through the trials, obviously, for uh, preaching the resurrected Christ. And basically, he's going through three years-ish of um, just trials back and forth between Jerusalem and some other places. And finally, he goes, Jesus comes to him in the beginning of this, and he says, he appears to, G, uh, he appears to Paul and says, as you've been a witness to me in Jerusalem about the resurrection, um, I'm going to um, send you to Rome. I mean, you're going to do the same in Rome. And so he sends this, but then three years later, it doesn't even happen right away, He's still in trials, and finally, Paul goes, um, I appeal to Caesar. Now, in the commentaries, in the, or I mean, I mean in, the, in the Bible, it says that the governor was going to set him free, but he appealed to Caesar, so he's going to Rome. He's going to go to Rome as, as, as he has been called, but he's not going to go as a free man. He chose, in some form or fashion, to go not as a free man to Rome, but as a slave, or as, sorry, not as a slave, as a prisoner um, in chains. And so, and he gets shipwrecked on the, on, on, on the way, he gets bit by a viper, like it doesn't go well for him. And um, of course, the, this next part is not in the Bible, so this is just my own understanding, but I think at least on some level, Paul wasn't making the same decision. He wasn't saying, what's going to make me suffer less? Because it would have been easier to go as a free man. Of course, he doesn't know what would have happened on the way, of course, and we can't tell the future. But it would have been easier for him to go as a free man than it was as a um, prisoner. And so his perspective was not which is going to give me more comfort, but which am I going... And, and my personal opinion is I think he's in some way saying, which is going to give me the best opportunity to glorify God through it. Um, and through the suffering, we see that he is continually witnessing as they're being shipwrecked, as he's being bit by a viper, he's continually reminding why this is happening and that God is um, who he says he is. And he's continually witnessing about Christ all the way to Rome. And finally he gets there months later and, and everything. So he, he's fulfilled, but it takes a while. So it's just a perspective of, to change our perspective from choices that we make um, from what's going to give me the most comfort to understanding that that's not necessarily what God wants us to do, the most comfortable thing. It's, it might require, the choice might require some suffering. So. Thanks, Todd. Uh, the, the primary question that's coming going to come up, if it hasn't already, is uh, which Aladdin, the animated one or the Will oh, Smith? Oh, the animated one, yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> no, the Will Smith one gets me every time, yeah. but the animated one I can't take seriously. Uh, so we're going to have to really disagree on that. Well, let's agree to disagree uh, on this particular topic. Um, yeah, you think you're suffering. <laughs> I really like the idea that what you're saying. We tend to because of a, because of our cultural context. The culture is the air we breathe, which is a pursuit of. And, and this isn't again not necessarily wrong, yeah. but it's a pursuit of that which can be enjoyed. Uh, and that, that's the fuel that runs our economy, and not, not to say that's wrong. However, when it comes to making decisions, if our decision-making matrix is what brings the most comfort, then we may miss opportunities because biblically what you're saying is we can see over and over again there are times where a, a gospel perspective said, I need to make this decision because uh, that's what I know ought to be done in the gospel, but it doesn't provide the most uh, comfort, and I, I think that's a helpful perspective. Thanks for that. You're gonna say something, Seth? Yeah, um, I love that. This notion of suffering avoidance is the way that we look at life. It, it's just a lie. Mm. Suffering is promised. Suffering. One of my favorite lines from one of my favorite movies, Princess Bride. Life is pain. Anyone who tells you otherwise is selling you something. something. <laughs> There's, and it's true that suffering that's two avoidance. Movie quotes, just so everyone can keep track. <laughs> you're, you're going to suffer at some point. And, and it's just, it's a lie to assume that you are going to find comfort that actually lasts apart from Christ. I mean, what Paul says so much about suffering, we could go for weeks about all that Paul talks about, but he says that when we get to the end, we will realize that this was a momentary light affliction compared to the goodness and the glory of being in the presence of God. 
and we're going to go, oh, all of that was nothing. That was compl- I would have done that 100 times over if it, mean, if it meant I got to be here. And, and so we have to wake up our souls and wake up our flesh and remind ourselves that um, any promise of any kind of comfort um, beyond Christ is, is straight of the devil. It really is, yeah. and temporary at best. And one of the other things I think that has been most meaningful in my life is recognizing that it's when, not if, I'm going to suffer. And suffering rings the entire gamut of I'm late for an appointment and I can't even get out of the house to uh, a terminal illness or a child who has completely rebelled or a death that um, you're having to go through, is recognizing that if indeed it's a training period of time, then there's something the Lord has for me to, to learn about here, to learn more about his character, his presence, his sufficiency. And um, if we could kind of turn the tables or the definition of suffering into an opportunity of training and learning about who our God is, then our focus maybe will go a little bit more off of me and more onto him. Um, I've for years and years I used to use the phrase uh, you know I'm going around Mount Sinai one more time because I'm refusing to learn the lesson God wants me to learn and in suffering we are at the best place to really just look full in the face of who our God is and to learn um, the character of our God which is always filled with loving kindness and grace and mercy in spite of the definition that I have of suffering, which is discomfort and pain. Yeah. It can also be his presence and his, uh, his uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, I mean, just kind of continuing that thought is, is our faith is, is not like, just because we have faith doesn't mean we don't suffer. In fact, if we have faith, it, it's almost guaranteed. No, actually, I'm just going to say it is guaranteed that we are going to suffer. Um, and so, in the Bible, the most faithful people, obviously we can just, we can do the Sunday school answer. Jesus, most faithful person ever, of course, God, but he suffered the most. Um, but if you look at any faithful person throughout the Bible, they suffered. Um, even God, a uh, man after God's own heart, David suffered through, I mean, just being chased by, by Saul, all of that through suffering. Um, and then, I mean, even, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, I just called him. Uh, Paul, sorry. I don't know why I couldn't think Paul. But, I mean, we, we just saw through how Paul suffered, through floggings, um, any of the apostles. And, and so ju- faith is not the, a deterrent for suffering. It actually brings suffering. But it also, as as we've said hopefully up here, is is it produces something. There There's a purpose behind it. Um, it doesn't mean we get to understand the purpose always. But there is a purpose for it. How do we come alongside others? Um, one person uh, shared this. I had to learn that sometimes when we hide our sufferings, we miss the opportunity to show how Christ can work in our difficult seasons. Hiding our suffering can be a disservice to God's kingdom. So that stoic mentality misses the opportunity to show others. I, I'm walking with Christ in this, but I don't have to, like what you guys said, I don't have to be okay. I, I'm still with my Lord, and but I'm working through some tough stuff. I don't have to hide it. I don't have to put on the uh, fake smile. Um, connected to that, someone asked, do we think Romans 5, uh, the hope that is spoke about is merely for us or for others? And, and connected to that previous comment, I think it brings hope to all of us. Sometimes when going through suffering, there's nothing that inspires more hope than to find out somebody else is going through it too. Not because I, I want somebody else to go through it, but it just shows, okay, somebody's in this with me. Somebody else is in this with me. It, it's very isolating to be going through something so difficult and feel like everybody else is going so great. And, and a lot of times it's not. It's just we're doing a good job of hiding that from one another. So there's that, uh, that shared hope that comes from realizing we're all uh, walking through this uh, together. So we're going to end uh, um, the, two more questions, but it's really going to, I'm going to share these because you guys are going to have to answer them because uh, they're really, really hard questions. So... Um, <laughs> So one of the questions is, how do you walk with, with somebody that's getting to that how to walk with somebody through suffering while at the same time not minimizing what they're going through? How, how do we do that? How do we walk with somebody in their suffering without minimizing it? And, and a, another question with that is when you're walking through suffering with somebody who doesn't know the Lord, 
it, how, does, how do we get to that place where we can share that hope in the Lord, even in the midst of uh, suffering? And then a more practical question during this time, I think, it's hard to know for sure what meant here. How do we do that during now when we're walking through stuff with people via FaceTime and, and Zoom meetings or, or talking on the phone? And, and we may not be able to go and visit them. Certainly as pastors, we've realized we don't get to go to the hospital and pray with, with people right now. They won't even let us uh, in the door. Uh, and so how do we do that? How do we walk with people even during a time of separation? So I forget who's Are you next, Pat? Okay, go. you got it. Looks like you've got 30 seconds. Ready? I'm kidding. Go ahead. Pray. <laughs> um, seriously, I have, I have a couple of three passages of scriptures I'd like to look at in this idea of how do we walk beside someone who's suffering? How have we walked beside people who have suffered? Um, how do we anticipate doing that? And the first scripture that came to my mind when we were thinking about this, of course, uh, begs to assume that... Um, someone has shared with us that they are going through a hard time. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians that he is, um, doesn't want his us to be ignorant of the sufferings that he's gone through. And I think sometimes in the church we have perfected that art of letting everyone be ignorant of what I'm going through. So in order to be able to walk beside someone, you have to know that they're suffering so that you can um, be what God wants you to be in that circumstance, in that situation. But in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, um, we have an account of Jesus coming into Capernaum, and he is approached by a, a Roman centurion whose servant is paralyzed and ill at home. And there's no indication that this Roman centurion even know, knew Jesus as Messiah. He just knew him as a healer. But he came to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, if he would heal his servant. And Jesus said, well, do you want me to come with you? Do you want me to go with you to the house? And the centurion said, no, all you have to do is speak the word and he will be healed. And to me, that just speaks so um, loudly about how important it is for us to know who our Jesus is in the midst of living in a world that's filled with suffering. We don't have to be present with them um, to lift them up to Jesus and to pray. Uh, we don't have to be the one there by their bedside or even uh, going through them, uh, going with them through the um, turmoil or the trial. We can lift them up to Jesus, who is closer than a brother. He's the one who brings them comfort, and he's the one that can begin to realign their even their perspective on what they're going through. So as trite as it seems, the best thing we can do is pray because it's really the most powerful thing we can do. A Roman centurion who had no concept that Jesus was the son of the living God, that he himself was God incarnate, knew that he, Jesus, could bring the comfort that no one else in the world could do for his, for his servant. And that comfort wasn't just an emotional comfort, it was a physical healing. So I think that that throws the door open to let's not minimize for one minute that we can pray for one another. We don't have to be in the same room, we don't have to be in the same town, we don't even have to be on the same continent. Our God is present in all times, in all places. And then the other obvious, how do we walk with someone who's suffering passage of scripture that comes to my mind is, of course, the book of Job. Is there anyone who has suffered as much as Job? Uh, throughout the annals of history, Job just went from one horrific uh, tumult into another one, and he lost everything in the span of just one day, and then he lost his physical health immediately. And we know the story of Job, how he finds himself on an ash heap, literally scraping the sores with a piece of broken pottery. But in the passage in Job, um, we are told that Job's friends, who were obviously far away, made a determination when they heard that Job was suffering, that they would leave their livelihoods, they would leave their homes, and they traveled to be with Job so that they could be next to this one who obviously meant something to them. And the scripture says that they were with Job 
for seven days. They were so overcome by the suffering that they saw that they were wordless for seven days, and they just sat with him in silence. They mourned with him in silence. And then the rest of the book tells us what those friends did wrong. How on day eight, they began to try to speak for God, to tell Job why this was going on, to tell Job what he needed to do in order to fix it. And we know, again, the rest of the story, that in the end, when Job is restored and healed, it is Job who has to pray for his friends because those friends spoke out of line, trying to uh, defend God. Is that what they were doing? Or were they were accusing Job, which is exactly what they were doing? Sometimes the most effective thing to do, besides praying for someone, is to just be with them in silence and to know we don't have answers. I don't know how God is working in their hearts. I certainly don't have a clue what lesson God is trying to teach you in the midst of your suffering, because I don't know your yesterdays, and I certainly don't know all the tomorrows, but God does. And in this time frame, he's allowed me to come and to sit with you and to, to be a reminder that one, you're not alone. The scripture tells us that one of the greatest, um, encouragements we can have, and I think, Greg, you already mentioned it, is this idea that others are going through it around us, have always gone through it. And the operative word there is through, that God has never brought us to a place to abandon us. And if we could um, remember uh, the three boys who were thrown into the flames, went in it together. (laughs) And then... They are there together, and Jesus is in the midst of them. And if we could begin to understand that all we have to do is come alongside people and tell them they're not alone, we're here with them, but it's Jesus that's going to hold us all together. As um, Todd referenced Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite passages in Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one, because when one of you gets cold, the other one's there to help you get warm. When one of you falls, the other one's there to help pick you up. But then that passage is concluded by saying, but a cord of three is not easily broken. And when we come along someone who's suffering, it's not just us there. We're bringing with us Jesus Christ, who is the one who not only brings comfort and healing, but he's the one who will walk through every experience with us that we are not alone. That's the promise he's given us. Good. So one of the things that's really important that uh, when I talk to folks about this that I think is helpful, a lot of folks will say, well, I'm going to see my uncle or my aunt or my buddy, and he's going through a hard time. I'm not sure what to say. And the answer is, great, then do that. Uh, Job's friends made the mistake, it seems like, when they started talking. Uh, Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration said, hey, let's build three tents. And in the parentheses it says, because he didn't know what to say. So Peter did what most of us do, had no idea what to say, so he went ahead and said something. And it's okay when somebody's going through a hard time. If I don't know what to say, then I'm, gonna, then I'm just going to be with you. Now, on the other, does, other hand, it doesn't mean we have to be silent. If the Lord puts something on our heart to share and encourage, uh, then, then be bold and say, you know, I, I'm praying for you. Uh, here's what God has put on my heart. Here's what uh, my life has looked like, and, and I hope it, it provides you some, some help as well. So... Uh, you can take that pressure off yourself of having to fix somebody's uh, situation. Someone shared uh, this along those same lines. I've always wondered how to find joy in my suffering, and as well as how this suffering fur- furthers the kingdom of heaven. And I've achieved some small understanding by knowing one day as a person uh, who came out of the other side, I can sit with another person and feel their heart in pain. And uh, it brings joy in my moment of suffering that one day I can be with someone in their moment of challenge. So one of the things we can do is we're going through suffering, or if we have gone through it, we can have that joy of knowing I can sit with somebody and have a greater degree of empathy uh, because I've, I've walked a similar, uh, a similar path uh, before. Uh, we're going to let Seth go, but I wanted to cover one topic that kind of resets from before that I think uh, Todd and I both missed. And I think it's a good question, so I don't want to skip it. Uh, so we'll just read it. Gives you a minute to get your thoughts together. Okay. Not sure if there's time for this topic, but 
is my suffering from my sin. Sometimes bad things happen and we immediately go, well, it's because I was bad on Wednesday. I made a terrible choice and I did it on purpose. I didn't do accidental sin like some people do. I did on purpose sin. I had it on my calendar and I saved up for it. And uh, is my suffering from my sin. So just real quickly, because we don't have a lot of time for it. Uh, certainly, it could be. Uh, sometimes we do things wrong and we have significant consequences from them and that's what happens. What we know about sin and the effects of sin on our life is this. Because of, if we put our faith in Christ for salvation, our guilt and our shame is on Christ. We don't have to pay the penalty for our sin. We don't have to pay the eternal debt for our sin having put that by faith on Christ. However, God will allow the normal consequences of our sin to work their way out in our life. Uh, sometimes that just is normal life. When you do bad stuff, consequences happen. You commit adultery, your spouse might leave you. And why is God letting this happen to me? Because that's what happens sometimes. Now, by his grace, your spouse might not leave you. Uh, I don't know. Does God sometimes bring additional suffering into our life to help teach us not to sin? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about in Hebrews. And sometimes those two are very, very well connected. Uh, if I have an addiction to gambling and I've run out of money, why isn't God providing for me? He's allowing that normal suffering coming from my sinful behavior to help maybe work out some inner, internal motivation by the, by the Spirit to start to say, I need to repent of this uh, addictive behavior, whatever it might be. So it's probably not safe to say just because of the grace of Christ, sin no longer calls, causes us pain. Probably think that would be a dangerous thing to say. However, I want to always emphasize we don't have to pay the penalty for our sin. Uh, but suffering should lead us to uh, repentance. So hopefully that's helpful. Just for sake of time, I, I'd love to interact with all of you guys on that. Uh, but I know a couple of you disagree with me on that. And so that way I'm going to. No, I'm kidding. Seth, you have the, uh, the floor. Uh, when you look at the Genesis account of creation, you have this constant repetition uh, poetically of um, God saw and it was good. He created and he saw and it was good. The only thing in all of God's original creation that was not good was that man should be alone. The only thing in all of creation was, it was not good was a lack of close relationship. Um, and uh, so we get to this verse in Galatians um, 6.2. Uh, where Paul has just been talking about the importance of the health of the body in Christ and, and bearing one another's burdens and um, sharing life together, being honest with one another. And Galatians 6, 2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, a really good friend of mine who's been through some significant suffering in the last couple of years uh, pointed out that this verse has two sides to it and uh, most people in here need to hear one or the other. Um, this is a command from the Lord, bear one another's burdens. Uh, some of you need to hear, yeah, you actually need to go suffer with people and help them. It's super uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. Actually, you're probably more prepared. If you don't know what to say, you're probably more prepared to help someone suffer than if you think you've got the answer. Um, and some of you need to hear, let them bear your burdens. Let them come in and help you. We're so stoic and we're closed off. And oh, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to bum anyone out. And so I'm going to suffer alone. No, it's a command from the Lord to let others around you come in um, and suffer with you. And then the second half of that verse, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So something's really important about bearing one another's burdens, if it's how we fulfill the law of Christ, what is that? If you go back to Galatians 5, uh, 13 and 14, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So all the law, all of scripture is fulfilled in one word, the law of Christ, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, or another way of saying that, or a way of doing that, bearing one another's burdens. And the, we've gone through this so much, we, we could spend weeks on it. The Bible promises suffering. It's, it's guaranteed. So you're almost a fool if you're not preparing for what's to come. And that's what's hard about suffering is if you're in the midst of it, it's already too late to prepare for it. Um, and uh, the way that we prepare for it, I think, most biblically, is by investing in relationships now. You prepare for the suffering that is promised and that is to come by preparing 
by investing in relationships, being vulnerable with people now. Um, you mentioned Romans 12 earlier. We want to be Romans 12 people. That whole chapter of really all the way through 16, but especially 12, is Paul saying, since all of this theology in the first 11 chapters is true, this is how you be people of God in relationship with one another as the body, as the church. Um, and in verse 15, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And that's difficult to do if you don't know them. Sure, the Olympics, some Olympian wins. Oh, yay, cool. You know, they won the gold medal. That's cool. Yay, America or whatever. But that's not the same as as um, your child coming home with, with an A on their paper or um, a dear loved one um, you know, getting a, a raise or a, a new job or just something exciting in their life that happens, um, there's just a, a different level of ability to enter into that um, with others. Uh, my good friend who, who really went through a lot of suffering recently um, said, told me that the, the worst time to start building a relationship and deepening a relationship with someone is in the midst of suffering. It's like sandbagging of an already flooded house. There's no point to start putting out bags if you're already ankle deep in water. It's too late. And so we need to be um, investing in those relationships now because we're not designed to do this on our own. It was not good that anyone should be alone. That's good. What I'm really hearing there uh, is that relational connection um, is in in. And relationship is where the where we can walk through that together. So I think what we need to do is kind of give ourselves on both ends of that equation permission. So there's this is is if somebody is going through a hard time, it's okay to call them up, and say, hey, I really want to help. I'm not sure how. Can I come over and sit with you and do a whole lot of don't know what to say? And yeah, come on over. We can do that. On the other hand, if I'm going through a hard time and I'm sitting at home and and I'm going, man, I really hope somebody calls me out of the blue and offers to go out to coffee. And you know, it might be in that moment if that, knowing maybe the sandbags haven't been prepared in advance, it's, you know, I've missed, maybe I should have done this a week ago or a month ago or before this all happened, but you know what, I need it now. I'm gonna call up so-and-so and say, I, will you go to coffee with me? And, and there's, what do you wanna do? I wanna drink coffee. Uh, one of the things I hear from, I'm going through a hard time and everybody who talks to me talks about my hard time. And so sometimes if maybe you wanna say, Will you go out with me and, and we're going to have coffee, but you have to promise me you're not going to talk about what I'm going through because I need a break. I want to go to coffee and talk about football or talk about something else for just five minutes uh, and I need a break from it. And just lay those expectations out there relationally. Here's, here's, what, uh, here's what we can do uh, in those connections. Todd, it looks like you have something Yeah, that, it's just really funny. This whole thing brought, brought to mind of how to suffer with people really well and it just brought back um, my... About two years ago, my mom passed away of cancer after about a year of uh, suffering with it. And, and so it brought a, a lot of these things that you guys have been talking about out. And one of the things is uh, I, I, I kind of laugh at uh, my father. I, I can't believe I'm talking about my father like this. But um, uh, he, so he's the epitome of this, of this how to suffer. What, like we had people in our church back home in New Jersey who were saying, if you need a ride anywhere, we'll give you a ride. If you need, uh, if you need us to bring food, we'll bring food. Um, and our church was amazing, um, supporting my mom and my dad, my, my sister, um, and through this whole time. And there was this one time where my, my sister wasn't going to be there. And my dad like says, I need a ride to the doctor. But I, can't, I mean, he's a little older, so he can't drive by, by himself, and um, and so so we, me and my sister, go. Well, why don't you why don't you ask one of the who have already offered? And he's like, oh, I couldn't inconvenience them. And I was just like, well, they they're not inconvenient. Well, they've already offered. So even my, even and I know this is not just a struggle for my dad, but you need to allow yourself to say. It's okay. It's not one. It's not an inconvenience to to just kind of get that out. But people have already offered to help. To allow yourself be vulnerable enough to say yes, I need your help. And that's very hard for for people to do in in the midst of suffering. Um, to just allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to ask and to say thank you for the offer. And on that too, I, I, for those who are trying to help someone go through suffering, to ease that as well. Just just do it. Just do it. If, if you are offering something and that thought comes to your mind, it's probably a good thing to do, especially if it's not words. Yeah. 
If you wonder if they need groceries, go buy them groceries. So what if they have three boxes of cereal now instead of one? If, if you think they need their lawn, lawn mowed, go mow their lawn. Just do it. Just get out there and do something because those acts of kindness and those acts of love um, are, speak volumes, speak way more than any, any verse you could throw at them or, or a biblical passage you could try to quote them into and uh, just do it. If you're going to paint their house, ask what color. Uh, yeah, it's, there, there are limitations. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. Just do it. Uh, so let's give anyone want to pay my taxes. That's totally anytime. <laughs> so, let's give some, give ourselves some permission on this. On the other end, somebody shows up for saying, "Just do it." So you need a meal. So somebody brings you a meal. Two things about meals that can happen. Number one, it could be something you just simply detest. You just don't like it. Or two, you have food allergy. So what's the appropriate thing to do? Just throw it away. Okay. So if you're the bringer of the meal. You're, you're making a burnt offering. If, if they eat the meal and enjoy it, then wonderful. If they uh, donate the meal to Rogue uh, Disposal's uh, landfill, that's okay. So that, another thing, just, just tips and tricks. So that means after, uh, you may want to not ask how was it, because now they've got to lie to you. Uh, but it's okay. Bring disposable but foil. But go ahead and take the meal tins. over, mow the, mow nope. the front yard. Um, it, yeah, generally, if, if, if you're going to ask one of us, uh, what can I do for you or can I do, oh, no, I've got it handled. It's great, uh, within reason, of course. Uh, just get it done, just do it, and see what happens. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking in this time of COVID when we're all uh, so conscious of safe spacing and we want to make sure that you are comfortable coming to church, we want it to be a safe space, it just comes to mind that um, in this whole topic of suffering, not when, uh, not if, but when, the safest place to be in a broken world is in God's, in God's family, in the church. This is the safe place, if you're already in the midst of suffering, for you to share that. This is the safe place for you to be so that you can get those connections in relationships so that when it is your turn, there will be others around you. This is the safe place in God's, in God's family.